For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Good evening and welcome to another Come On You Spurs podcast. We're back. Unfortunately, we missed the Brighton game. I think everyone had some work commitments, uh, bank holiday weekend and everything, but we are back and what a difference two games can make in the life of a Spurs fan. So before we get into that, let's just do some intros. So as you can see, we've got the full house again this evening. So we'll start introducing them. Ryan, how have you been, mate? How's this last week or so been and felt as a Spurs fan? Oh, we've felt them before, Carl. We know how these feel. We've had them before. It's no, no <laughs> new, but I, I am, I will blame myself. I've missed the last two weeks of these shows and we haven't won since I've been gone. So I'm hoping... <laughs> nah, that that will get started. <laughs> I tell you, if that works, mate, you'll never be missing another show again because we'll take it on the road and we'll be with you wherever you go on holiday after this. I can promise yeah. you that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Joining Ryan as usual is Patrick. Patrick, have you been, mate, after these last two weeks? Yeah, I mean, I'm good. And I'll send it to you guys backstage. I feel good. Um, obviously, the team hasn't um, lived up to the heights and expectations, but we'll touch on that. But all in all, I'm good, I'm healthy, I'm in good spirits and I'm just hoping that we can obviously step up to the mark and do what we need to do going forward. That's it, mate. And joining Patrick and Ryan is Jacob. Have you been, Jacob, these last two weeks? Yeah, I've been all right. Like, I think I'll, I'll mirror what uh, Ryan says. I said it to my cousin the other day because for the last couple of weeks, I haven't been on online either. We started a new job and Ryan being on holiday and then we had to cancel the last show. And ever since then, we've just been crap. So I'm hoping that I've got the same magic as well. Oh, you know, we, we'll be following you boys around the team now. We'll be, getting, we'll be getting bikes to kind of curious to wherever you two are in future. So, as always, let's do some social media links. As you can see, the guys have got their Twitter handles on the screen. So, as I always say, get over there. Give these guys a follow. Always knocking out some brilliant Spurs stuff. As usual, give the Coys.com account a follow on YouTube and on Twitter at Coys underscore com so let's get into it so obviously we held all the cards at one point didn't we arsenal went on a barren run we were picking up wins we looked in the driving seat all of a sudden two games that picture has spun around and changed and arsenal will now feel they're in the driving seat that's just touch upon what do we think has happened in these last two games i mean is there is is it a mixture of things of pressure? Is it a mixture of things of just you know certain players? I mean, we can talk about Kane as an is is it Kane? Is it Son? Why do we feel in these last two games? Obviously, given the magnitude of those two games as well, and when we look at the Brighton game, that was a real missed opportunity. We thought, wasn't it, with Arsenal playing Chelsea? We thought, right, a win here. Chelsea beat Arsenal and now we're really in the driving seat. What do we put these two lacklustre performances down to, given what has been on the line? Patrick, where, where do you stand with that? Um, how, how, how has it been so flat, given the, the magnitude of those games? I think I think you touched on it, Carl. One of the points is, is pressure. Pressure does funny things to the best of teams and the best of players. And, you know, they say pressure uh, busts pipes and creates diamonds. And you either see the good or the bad side of somebody when there's pressure. Like somebody, as Benzema, everyone knows he's a brilliant striker. This year, in pressure situations, as they call it, clutch in America, he's been Mr. Clutch. He's coming up with clutch goals. You see certain players, like even someone like Kai Havertz, He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's scored some clutch goals for Chelsea when it matters. There's someone like Divo Carigi, you know, a decent striker in his day, but he scores clutch goals in clutch moments. And we don't seem to have somebody that will... I mean, we've got brilliant strikers, Harry Kane, Holman Son, regardless if they go two or three games without a goal or assist. They're world-class players. Everyone will agree to that. But in clutch moments, when you need to drag a game by the scruff of its neck, you don't really see any of them guys doing it at the moment. And I don't understand. Well, I do understand, but also at the same time, I don't understand. Um, it's a, it is a shame because it's um, I think there's a there's a number of factors. Son and Kane haven't been at it, but if we take it back, Son and Kane are only two parts of the system. They're only two cogs in a in a massive wheel. I think Antonio Conte 
fantastic manager. I'm not one of these idiots that are straight away screaming to get him out and all of this nonsense after two bad games. And to be fair, one bad game. I know we weren't great in the last game, but a nil-nil draw is not the end of the world in most circumstances. So it's not, you know, it's not meltdown stations for me like a lot of people are going through. But when you look at Antonio Conte, he needs to be a bit more flexible considering the opponent's he has at his disposal or components he has at his disposable uh, at his disposal right now. This isn't hit really his team. He's got rid of a few, got a few in, but he has to work with what he's got. Emerson Royale is probably, you know, I've backed this guy and backed him and backed him. But after last week's performance, I was like, you know what? I can't even back you no more. We're nil-nil down. It's an injury time. We've got an attack. We're on momentum, we're building, and you just go and pass the ball out of bounds. You pass it behind Davison Sanchez. And the thing is, he made Davison Sanchez look bad, and people got onto Sanchez. That wasn't Sanchez's fault. Sanchez is a quick player. There's no way he's retrieving that ball. And it's just stuff like that. Every time the ball goes to the right side, it doesn't, nothing materializes from it. The ball goes back, he tries a, a crap flick. He's got no confidence to beat a man. He can't whip in a cross. So literally, that right hand side of our attack is now. Uh, defunct or devoid or MIA, non-existent. When Doherty was there, he would run at a player. He would beat a player. He'd whip a crossing. He would actually make a run behind his player and get in. Hence, you're scoring backyard, uh, you know, back stick uh, headers and tapping in goals and making stuff. Emerson Royale doesn't do any of that. So we've literally got one half of the side uh, with wing backs, which is Conte's main, one of his main pieces. There's nothing going on there. You can even see the guys that want to pass to Royale because they know nothing's going to happen there. So that's a problem. And then also just lack of creativity, really. Um, as, as good as I think Ben Tanker is, I think Hoiberg has been horrible, if I'm being honest. When it comes to an attacking actual output, he's been awful. He keeps giving the ball away and screaming at other players, but he's the actual yeah. fault. And he's our main component. And it's just a lot of stuff, man. It's just, I could go on all day. But, you know, without trying to be critical, because I do like Hoiberg. And I do like, I like Royale as, as a guy. He seems like a good guy. He seems like a nice guy. But when we're be, if we're being honest, I, I want Hoiberg and uh, Emerson Royale replaced in the summer. If we want to win things, even if we don't finish fourth and we finish fifth, if we get the team that we know we can get and we get Conte there, I'm more than okay for next season. But these issues have got to be addressed. We've seen these guys far too often in crucial moments of a game, just give the ball away or just do something ridiculous with no pressure. No one was pressuring Emerson Royale and he passed the ball behind Sanchez, goes out of bounds. No one's pressuring Hoiberg and most of the time and he just can't even deliver a simple pass. So those are things for me that really, as much as people want to get onto Kane and Song because they're the main guys, when we can't even build up a passage of play or we can't even string a few passes together, how are they going to get the ball anyway? So, yeah, that's kind of where I sit at the moment with it. Yeah, Ryan, do, do, do you think it's mainly the pressure side of things that suddenly kicked in? Like I say, all of a sudden, you've got this Brighton game. And it could be fair to say, I think we all went into this maybe overly confident, didn't we? Thinking, right, it's Brighton at home. They've been pretty poor. This is now our chance. We win this one and yeah, Arsenal lose in the week. And, you know, we'll come on to that game in a minute, that Arsenal-Chelsea game. But everyone suddenly already three games ahead of themselves, aren't they? Thinking, right, we're going to win this. Arsenal, we're going to lose. Suddenly that's top four in our hands massively. Arsenal could be out of it. Do you think suddenly the pressure kicks in then of, actually, we need to get this result today, given everything on the line? Do, do you think... It spurs revert into that type of not being able to handle pressure in pressure moments. Uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of things with Tottenham. Like I say, I think I think we got a bit complacent with Brighton, especially. I think we went into that game, like I say, as fans ourselves, we're going into that game very confident, which we we should be with fans of the club. We expect the team to win that. I think the biggest problem we had was a majority of the players probably went into that game themselves feeling like, oh, we'll just turn up, couple of goals, get this game out of the way. And But we say so many times, this is the best league in the world. You don't get easy game unless you're, like I say, we'll get into someone who gets easy games at the minute. But you don't really usually get easy games in the Premier League. It's a tough game. And we'd but, had the warning the week before, yeah, didn't we, when they yeah. went to the Emirates and got a result. Yeah, like I say, you know Brighton are a good team. You, they just can't finish. But they only needed one goal to beat us on that day because 
we looked like we didn't look like we could finish if we had played for two straight days in that game. It's the pressure does get to the lads. You can tell sometimes if Kane and Son don't get the ball quite early. And it, I hate to agree sometimes with Paul Mercer because I think he talks a load of shit. But if he said a few <laughs> that if Harry Kane doesn't turn up, then Tottenham don't turn up. It does feel like that at the minute because he's not turned up over the past couple of weeks. But these players are old enough, ugly enough and big enough to play without Harry Kane. They've done it before. They'll eventually have to do it again. So we just got to hope that... Now, we've seen it over this past month now. Arsenal are in control of top four. Two weeks after winning control, now again, it's back in Arsenal's hands. There's so there's so much that can still happen with the games we've both got left to play, especially with that North London derby. But we just got to hope now that Conte actually gets into these boys now, tries to just instill a bit more belief in them that they're good enough for this. They don't... Don't matter how we play first half, we could no if we don't have a shot on target in the first half, it's still another forty-five minutes. Don't worry about that. Get back out there, try and control the game a bit more. You're good enough. And hopefully we can take it back to our own hands. Like I say it's it's up to us now. Like we're the only we're the only team we can only blame ourselves if we don't get top four now. Yeah, Jacob, I was gonna bring up the whole Harry Kane, Paul Merson thing, because it, it was interesting. And I think it was funny because in the Brighton game, I think Harry tried a shot within the first five minutes or so that just bobbled nowhere near. And it, and it kind of set the tone for kind of that performance on that day. Now, a lot of people would argue uh, and obviously say they don't agree with Paul Merson, but it's hard to not kind of look at that statement that he made and kind of go, well, yeah, when you look at the last two games, and the games previously before that, Harry Kane turns up in those previous games and Spurs are scoring 21 goals in six games and he's getting assists left, right and centre. All of a sudden, he has two games where he doesn't really see much of the ball, doesn't have an impact on that game and Spurs suddenly get don't have a shot on target. So while we disagree, is there some truth in what Paul Merson said that if you can suddenly nullify Harry Kane you take a lot of what Spurs can do away from them because the other players don't seem to be able to go, well, okay, Kane's not on it today, so I'm going to take this on myself and I'm going to be the one that wins us the game. I mean, Son, great player, great goals and assists lately, but he heavily relies on Kane's passing and his assists. Kulicheski has gone quiet in the last couple of games, um, hasn't really had a creative spark about him. So are we that Harry Kane side that if you stop Harry Kane, you stop Spurs? I think it, it is a lot of that, but it's also, I've, I've been saying it for weeks to uh, people that I speak to closely, that uh, when I look at the way we beat uh, Leeds, Newcastle, um, even when the way we beat Man City, even though Harry Kane's a world-class player and does what he's doing, I've said in every game, as much as I've loved it, he's having it too easy. Like we played against Man City, you'd look up, you'd, you know, these teams are giving Harry Kane two, three seconds to pass the ball, but then he's just picking everyone off. So I always said, yeah, if you if you pack out a midfield against Tottenham, everybody does their job, um, and you play maybe a false number nine or something like that and completely pack out that midfield, Tottenham ain't going to know what to do. And the reason why I said that was when we played United, because we played United, and I, you know, I'm, I was quite confident against United, but then as, as soon as they put Matic in, I thought, that's what you're supposed to do. Put someone in there that... You know, Matic isn't even world-class anymore. But just someone that knows that position and gives Harry Kane another problem to think about. And even though he scored in that game, he was very quiet. But then, literally, no one's watched United beat us and just thought, oh, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. So when I looked at that Brighton lineup and they played uh, Salcedo, um, in, the other guy, I forgot, is it Mbepu? I can't remember how to say his name. And Basuma. As soon as I saw all three of them and they didn't play no Mope or no Welbeck, I was like, we're going to have problems here. And literally, that's what they did. They nullified the midfield. It's, it's to do with Kane, but it's also to do with Conte because Conte just literally watches Kane not get anything in midfield. And instead of putting him up front, considering he's probably the best striker in the league, he just continues to leave him in midfield. And we've become a one-trick pony. Now, if you look at the way Tottenham play, if you pack out the midfield, the only option that you've got is to play out to the fullbacks. Now, if we had Liverpool's fullbacks, then we'd just beat everybody because... For me, that's the most important positions in football at the minute. 
But then you've got when you've got Emerson Royal and Regulon, who are, are probably our weakest links, and we're literally being forced to go out wide. That's when you don't get no shots on target because these guys can't cross, as Pat alluded to. They can't pass. They're very weak in the tackle, so they're not going to, you know, if they try to go down the side, they're probably going to get dominated. And you saw not only at Brighton, but at Brentford, that when it was coming out wide, that, that it, was, it was not worth it. So I don't think, I, I know it's majority to do with Kane not performing, but, you know, Harry Kane's only human. If he's got three defensive midfielders around him, He's got Son standing there going, please pass to me, and he's not getting there. And then the only option that Harry Kane gets when he drops deep is the fullbacks who are weakest point. Then well, I don't understand why wonder everyone's wondering why 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 we're not getting any shots on target. It's you know, we've all been saying it on this show, on Ryan's show. We need a creative midfielder because Kane can only do this so long. But even if Kane's got this capability, <laughs> he's better at scoring goals than setting them up. So just stick him up front. You know what I mean? This guy, is, this guy at one point was, everyone was talking about him catching Salah and then all of a sudden we've kept him in centre midfield. You know what I mean? Stick him up front. And what content, for me, content needs to learn what Klopp did the other day because I was watching that with my cousin and we, I was sitting there and I was going, you know what? If you lot, if you lot stick another striker up front, yeah, everyone ain't going to know what to do because you never really do that. I kid you not, five minutes later, he chucks on Origi and Diaz. They go 4 2 <laughs> 4-2-4 and didn't play that great. But, you know, within two minutes, Origi's presence made that difference. Salah squares it. It's a goal. Do you know what I mean? Because Everton made that difficult for them because they knew what Liverpool were going to do with the three up front. As soon as you make that four up front, you're going to get shots on target. But we don't seem to do that. It's always like for like. And I think it was the Brighton game where Kuzilevsky and Son came off and then we had Bergwijn and um, Moira. And we still kept the back five. It's like, well, what are we doing? You want a shot on target and you're still keeping five defenders. Don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, Patrick, obviously, you know, Conte has come in for some stick after the last couple of games around not having a plan B and, and changing things up. And obviously, you, you did see that at the weekend because, you know, given the way that results had gone and you know, OK, look, this is a big game now and almost becoming a must win. When it gets to you know, 70 minutes and you can still see it's a flat performance. Do you think he is too, too stuck in his ways in the fact that, no, I'm keeping this system? Do you then say, I, we know if you look at the bench, there isn't a plethora of options that you can bring on to change yeah. the game. You're really only looking at um, Bergwijn and Mora that you can come on and have an mm. attacking change. But do you think, at, uh, like as Jacob said, at that point you say, "Well, I'm going to stick Mora up top or Bergvine up top with Kane, and we're going to change the system slightly. Go four four two, you know, just change it." Is Conte too stuck in his ways? Yeah, he is, and I, I said it before, but obviously now we can dig into it and delve a bit deeper into this subject because, for me, I know world class managers they believe in their source, they believe that they. They know that they're good and obviously more often than not, they get it right. Hence why they are where they are. I, and I get that. But like you said, Carl, we only have Lucas Moore and Stevie Bergwijn on the bench that can potentially come in and do something. And if we're being real, both aren't great options. Yeah, they may have good games for their club or country now and again, but they're not great. They're not great when you actually need to change something up, get a goal or, you know, just make a difference. But like Jacob said, switch up, man. Change the formation. I mean... We're nil-nil down. It's a flat game. No no team looks like scoring. And you bring on Davison Sanchez in the 70th minute as your first sub. Like, what the hell's going on? What are we doing there? Why are we bringing on Davison Sanchez? What difference is he going to make? It just made no sense to me. It's not like we were getting pegged back. We're under the cost, so we're bringing in an extra defender. The game was quite flat. No one looked like scoring. So why don't we go all out and bring on an attacker? We've got nothing to lose. If we lose, so be it. Um, but to just go out on a whimper again, it's poor, man. And um, he does, Conte does deserve to be criticised. I'm not one of these idiots that are now saying Conte out, Conte needs, that's ridiculous. But also at the same time, you are the coach, it's your tactics, you live and die by the sword. So when we don't have a good game and there's no creativity, no spark, and it's not the first game, it's the second game that has happened, of course, questions need to be asked. Um, obviously, like, um, uh, like Ryan's saying, we play with, you know, um, a back five or two attacking flying fullbacks. And our fullbacks aren't good enough. Regalon flattered to deceive us last year. He looked good in moments. It was his first full season. So we obviously gave him a bit of a leeway. But now if we're being real, 
The guy's at 25, 26. He's been there for two years. He's not good enough, man. He needs to go. And I called this a long time ago, as you guys remember. I said I wanted mm-hmm. him out. Now we're seeing him week in and week out. He's not good enough. Cessin Young, the jury's still out. Still a bit too early for me to really put, you know, put the knife in. But so far, again, I'm not that convinced either, if I'm being real. Um, I just think with Emerson Royale, he's just not good enough. Nice lad. Seems like a good guy. But if we're being honest, he's not going to take the club forward. So... Conte knows this. He's not. He's not an idiot. He knows how good these guys are or ain't. So change it up, man. Even put Lucas Moura at right wing back. I don't understand why not. Basically, he's covering for Emerson Royale anyway. Or when mm-hmm. when um when when um Emerson Royale's playing, more often than not, it's Romero that's actually doing the dirty work for him. So Romero's having to be pulled left and right, right and left because he's actually covering for Royale. Royale was getting skinned, and if it wasn't for um, wasn't for um, well, Romero in that second half, yeah, Romero in that thing, it would we would have been one nil down. So change it up. Lucas Moura has worked hard under Jose going back and forth. Let him try it. What what have we got to lose right now? We need something out of you know because otherwise. Yeah, two two games with no shots on target, no creativity. We didn't even look like scoring. That is a concern. We've got the players. The reason why I'm not going crazy is because I know on our day we can score is with the best of them. But if you're not making opportunities, you you ain't going to score. Yeah, Ryan, like I say, this, this was a side that, as I say, again, scored 21 goals in six games to no shots. It, it's not as simple as... It can't just be down to that Doherty injury and one player coming out has made a big difference, is it? You know, this Conte has got to find a a way, hasn't he? When things are not going the right way during a game with his system, um, a good manager has to think on the fly and have a backup. Now, as you say, yes, you haven't got a, a great selection of players on the bench to change it. But as Patrick said, Mora could come on, Bergvine could come on in that right wing-back position, just as something to change it to say, well, at least as an attacking threat, this player will be better going forward than Emerson Royal or Sessignon. The guy's not having a good game, so let me bring Bergvine on in that position and just something different. Let me change the formation. What What is going on, you know, what what is going on for that team at the moment? Because that, that one injury can't have changed that whole dynamic of the way we're playing. No, I think it's. Uh, I think we've seen it with uh, like the likes of in the past. I mean, when players feel they've got no competition, it's not something they've got to worry about. They're not worried about them being dropped the week after. Because you look at them now. Obviously, we've got Hoiberg, Benton, Core, Winks isn't competition. He's not. Hopefully, not going to be there next season. So Skip's still out. So they know they'll start again. Kane knows he's going to start every week because there's no competition. Like Emerson Royal now. Nah. I believe he's going to start every week. But like the last day, it's something he's got to do to change up. Like when we signed Kulisevsky, he did say that Kulisevsky is able to play at right wing back. So, right wing back, get Lucas or Bergvine up front with Kane out on the right and see how you go from there. Because, like Pat's already said, Romero's doing all Emerson's dirty work anyway. He's covering the main striker in the side and he's covering out on the wing. He's got double duty at the minute. So why not try something? I don't know if this is his, his way of in the board. This is what I've got. This is why I must be backed in the summer because it's just going to end like this anyway. Or it's just that the players just, just aren't good enough. If We know most of them aren't good enough, but we now need Conte as well to mix it up a bit, try different things. If there's a right wing back in the youth side who's getting rave reviews, bring him up. If you have to, if you, if he knows the position, if you're confident, if the uh, youth management's confident enough in him, bring him up because Emerson Royal's not doing the job. If he's not going to try anybody else, and we're going to suffer every week because teams we play now would focus on that area. They focus Emerson Royal because they know Romero is getting that position. You know Kulisevsky doing a lot more defending than he wants to. He'd rather be going facing the uh, opposition side. So now it's up to whether it's in game against Brighton, like you say, take one of the centre backs out or take regular enough. Because I agree with Pat. This link is linked with a move in the small get one there, get a replacement in for what we're being offered. Put Ben Davis at left back. 
just keep Di Romero in the middle and throw Lucas or Bergvine up there. You've just got to throw someone else. If you've got a bit here, if Kane feels he has to drop deeper in a game to contribute, then at least we've got an extra body up there with Son and Kulisevsky to trouble the defence. So now we need to... We need to hope that Conte actually does different. He's trying different. Obviously, we don't know what's going on in training or behind closed doors, but hopefully he's trying a few things out. And if needed, then we'll see it on uh, Sunday against Leicester. Yeah, Jacob, it's, you know, it is frustrating, isn't it? Because like I say, we were flying, goals going in left, right and centre and feeling really confident to suddenly a side that just looked devoid of confidence, devoid of any creativity. It's mad mm-hmm. how that kind of switch has happened, isn't it? You know, that that one game, and next thing you know, we look like the sort of Spurs side that we were under Nuno, where you're just going, well, we just don't look like we've got any idea of what's happening here. And that that is really frustrating, especially at this point in the season now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, it's... it's it, I, I'm not saying I've, I, I saw it coming where um, we weren't going to have two shots. We weren't going to have a shot in two games, sorry. But I could see that um, coaches were starting to um, clock on that if you stop, you know, if you stop Tottenham through the middle completely, you'll smash it. And for me, I've always said that if you play a false number nine against any back three, they don't have anything to do. So imagine you're Romero, you're Adair, you're Ben Davis. And you haven't got anything to do for a long time, you felt lost. Like I remember watching that Brighton game and Romero didn't know what to do. Sometimes you think, Shall I go up? Shall I do this? Because he's all action. And they didn't have anybody on him. But then it got to the point where when when they were attacking, there would like be three people coming, but neither of them were a striker. I think the most um potent player on the pitch for them would have been Trossard, who ended up getting the winner. But it was I think Graham Potter smacked it. So I don't think it was so much Tottenham and the pressure. I just think you know, they were sussed out. It's pretty simple what you do with Tottenham. What's their weakest link going back and forward? The fullbacks. So let's just keep the game out there then. How do you do that? Nonify the midfield. It's, 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 it sounds so simple, but I think a lot of teams that we were battering just didn't get that. Like Everton just let us do it. Newcastle let us do it. The only team that didn't let us do it was Man United, but then nobody picked up on that. So it, it, for, for me, if, you, if we're going to have a change of fortunes, it is frustrating, but we need to... We need to change it around. I know he doesn't like a back four, but if you're worried about the defending, just go flat back four. You know, if you really feel that you want to play Emerson Royal and you don't want to re- run the risk of Lucas Moira, I think Emerson Royal would be better in a flat back four. And you tell him you play right back and don't go forward. Now, if he does that, and like Ryan alluded to, Ben Davis plays on the other side and you've got Romero and Dyer, you can even get a better game at a Hoiberg because then you drop him one into a holding midfielder where you say to him, I don't want you doing anything. Just win the ball and give it to Bentoncourt or somebody else, right? And But then but then you have another problem because who plays further forward with um, Bentoncourt? Because the only other option we've got in there would have been Oli Skip, but he's injured. So then you end up with Harry Winks who then, you know, if we, if we don't win any games, he's going to get on the end of it. But we just need to be playing a bit more... I don't know. It, 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 we acted in the last two games that we played against. It's like we played against Man City and Liverpool. You know what I mean? If we played against Man City and Liverpool, you'd still be disappointed you didn't have your shots. But then if you came out of them two games with a point, you probably think to yourself, well, that could happen. But we just played Brentford, who about five weeks ago, people were questioning whether they might get relegated. And Brighton are literally on the beach. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not only are they put their feet up, they're, they're actually on a beach. I mean, in a way, when you look at form recently, the, the point at Brentford isn't the worst point in the world given yeah, the way I they've been playing recently. But it's the Brighton game that's the one that's kind of undone all the good work up to that, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. if you'd won that Brighton game and then go to Brentford and just get a point, you go, well, OK, we're away from home against a tricky side who are in form at the moment. And we've come away of a point. But that Brentford result has kind of really set the cat amongst the pigeons now and set the panic mode in, hasn't it? That's it. And, you know, that, that's what I was alluding to on, on the socials because granted, you know, the following week when um, Chelsea literally let Arsenal win that game, in my mind, I kept saying to every Spurs fan that was saying Chelsea, 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 if we'd won against Brighton, it wouldn't matter if Arsenal beat them 7-0. We'd still be ahead of them by goal difference and we'd be having our feet up regardless of that result. And the likelihood is 
Arsenal wouldn't have gained as much confidence going into Stamford Bridge. Chelsea might have been a little bit lacklustre, but I still think Arsenal would have dropped points if we beat Brighton. But because we didn't, it allowed them to get in. Um, they've obviously got the result at Stamford Bridge and then it's allowed them to get the momentum because they know in that game against United, if they win that, then the pressure's on us. And it happened so quickly, just the same way it did when everything was reversed. So I still, I still like, like Pat said, I'm not going to get to the point where I panic. The only time I panic is if we go into the next game and it's clear that Conte just keeps doing the same thing and somehow, you know, in the first half, we still haven't had a shot because I think it's a simple thing. We just need to get more numbers up there. You know, if we got to the point where you said you put Harry Kane, let's say you want to keep Harry Kane in that number 10 because he's our best creator, but then you put Son straight up front, you put Lucas Moira coming in off one side and then you have uh, Bergwijn off the other side then at least you've got three other players that can go and score goals with Harry Kane. And then, you know, if we get a goal from a set piece, that's fine. But currently, it's just Conte seems to play the same three. And then not only does he play the same three, when two of them aren't playing, where he just does like for like instead of keeping them all on. So I don't think he chucks the kitchen sink at it. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, let's go to now top four um, and how we're feeling. And, And let's obviously talk about that um Arsenal Chelsea game because I, I don't know about you guys but whew, dear me I, I actually felt I was watching a conspiracy theory live in action <laughs> that night yep. I mean you yep. know I said to someone I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years you find that this all comes to light and it's be like yeah well you know Sky wanted to build up that North London derby as the big top four you know listen Chelsea do us a favour we need you to kind of do a do us one here and let Arsenal win. So this takes this top four and makes this North London derby game huge. Patrick, that game was just, I mean, Chelsea, it was almost like Chelsea scoring for Arsenal, wasn't it? You know, you get the manner of the three goals. You get Aspilicueta saying, well, listen, the ball's nowhere near you, Saka, but I'll give you a cuddle and bring you to the floor so there's a penalty. It was just horrendous to watch, wasn't it? And, and although you shouldn't be relying on other teams to do, if you like, favours in the sense that, you know, we shouldn't have been pinning all our hopes on Chelsea winning that game, it was hard to look past the fact that something didn't seem right watching that game with Chelsea's performance. When I saw the lineup, I knew that it was done and dusted. And I called it, if you go back to my tweets, as soon as I saw that lineup, I said, this game's done. It's like they threw the game purposely. It was just atrocious. And I've never seen, don't get me wrong, Chelsea on their day can be crap, but usually they are a good team, especially at Stamford Bridge. When you're seeing defenders pass the ball <laughs> in the line of the striker, so he literally, he, he assisted Eddie and Ketia, who is a crap striker. Let's have it right. The guy scored two goals and has looked good in his last two games, but he's a rubbish striker. He hadn't scored all season. And they made Eddie and Ketia look like a decent player. He assisted them for his first goal. Again, the lineup, the change in the complete overhaul or back, uh, you know, of the back line was dodgy in itself. Then um, uh, Saar, who on his day is a good player because when he played against us in those three back-to-back games, he was decent and on job. But he was atrocious on um, on on that game and literally couldn't clear the ball. Assisted their player, Akea scored again, and then yeah, the penalty which was quite soft anyway, but why have you got your arms around Saka in the box and grappling him when the ball's going way over him anyway? It made no sense. So you look at it, Chelsea literally gifted them three goals. Um, I just don't understand this. It's, um, it just doesn't make sense because I know you can have a bad day, but I've never seen a team in a London derby fold and collapse like that at home. So something doesn't seem right there. But again, I mean... I expected, if I'm being honest, I expected Arsenal to beat Man United at home. I did expect that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Man United don't have a great record uh, at the Emirates. And obviously with Arsenal going for it and Man United not really having anything to lose or prove, I didn't really expect it to, you know, it to go any other way. But saying that, Man United had a lot of chances. Uh, they probably were a better team on a day as well, which sounds weird. If they scored that penalty, I believe Man United would have won the game because they was in the ascendancy up until, the, until that miss. But if you go back to the Chelsea game, going to Ch- Stamford Bridge and beating the Chelsea team 4-2 will give you all the world of confidence. Mm. And that was the catalyst. Because I expected che- uh, uh, Arsenal to drop points against Chelsea and then whatever happens at Man United what happens. But 
yeah, when I saw that happen, I was like, fuck, we're actually in trouble now. We need to win our game because that is that was a that was a major turning point. And it's something that if we're being real, no one expected. The game in hand was Chelsea, and pretty much everyone wrote it off saying yeah, they're gonna <laughs> just and they didn't. So fair play to them. I mean, they picked up six points out of the games you'd never expect them to pick six points up, and then they dropped points in the games you'd expect. So the thing is, I know a lot of people are losing it and thinking that it's done and dusted. It really isn't. Because this Arsenal team, if we're being honest, they're just as inconsistent and as crap as anyone else on their day. They will have wobbles again. They're not going to go on a, a scoring spree of three goals and four goals because if you look at the form, they haven't been doing that all season. So I expect them to... they got some tough fixtures in there as well. No games are gimmies. And just hopefully we can now, we've gone through our bad patch, we can now obviously turn a new leaf as well. Yeah, Ryan. I mean, obviously, you know, the last time Chelsea had nothing to play for and they met a North London side, they, they kind of took it as though it was their Champions League final the year they wanted to stop us at Stamford Bridge. Was you amazed watching that game? And, and what did what did that result make you feel around the top four chances now, given our results as well? I didn't expect them to play that bad. I didn't see Chelsea play that bad. In, oh, God, I hadn't seen them play that bad. For years, and like Pat's just said, the three games they played against us back to back, they looked like they was the best team in the league. They absolutely ran us off the pitch three separate occasions. I never expected, but like I say, I don't know why he changed his side like he did. I don't understand it. I know Rudiger was out injured. I don't know why Thiago Silva weren't involved. I did not get why he rested so many players at once, but. Hey, it happened. We, we can't do anything about it. We've still got to concentrate on ourselves. But no, at the top four, like I say, I think it's still in our hands. It, we've, we've still got to play them at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We've not got a great record. It'll be in front of a bouncing, bouncing bunch of Tottenham fans. So it's still in our hands. This top four race is still... We, I still put us down as favourites for that with them having to come to our stadium. But like I say, I'm I'm not worried about Arsenal now for the rest of the season. I'm just going to just support the lads, concentrate on our lot. And if we do our job, Carl, then there shouldn't be anything stopping us from getting that top four anyway. Yeah, Jacob, you know, obviously, how are you feeling about top four now, given the recent results and the recent performances? You know, as those of those two last performances set in some worry for you around us and now we'll finish the season? There will be some twists and turns. I, I agree with Patrick. You know, I can't see yeah. Arsenal are not going to go unbeaten now to the end of the season. I think they'll slip up again. But then at the same time, I think we'll slip up again. Where do, where do you stand now with top four? Obviously, he was confident a couple of games ago. Have you massively changed or are you still feeling confident that we'll nick that? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not as confident as I was a couple of weeks ago, obviously, because we were smashing everybody to pieces. But... Um... I think we just got to do what Arsenal did because I think if you look at our fixtures now, not only Spurs fans, but I think if you're an Arsenal fan or a neutral fan, you're looking at Spurs for the next three fixtures and thinking, well, they're the games where they're going to slip up if we haven't already slipped up already because we've got Leicester, who on their day were a decent side and they've got Vardy back. You know, I know they've got a conference league game, but there's some teams out there that just don't bottle it after you. You know, if they've had a good game in Europe and they've pretty much got one foot in the final, they're not going to come to Tottenham and be be leggy, they're going to be bouncing. And then after that, it's obviously the trip to Anfield and then the North London derby in the space of, what is it, 10 days or something? So for me, you know, I was having a discussion with my cousin over the weekend after we drew Brentford. I was like, if we come out of them games with seven points, then we've got top four. Because I think the last two games we've got is Burnley at home, who could either be safe or relegated. And then Norwich are already down, aren't they? So I think ideally you need to get nine out of there but we, we all know that <laughs> the, confidence, and then, the confidence of going away to Norwich is this one in ones we should go to Norwich and Burnley and win but somehow being Tottenham we'll end up beating <laughs> Leicester beating Liverpool beating Arsenal and losing the last two so, do you know what I mean it's just We've got to buck our ideas up quick. So I know it's only five games, but then quite quickly, you know, like I said, those next three fixtures are over a course of 10 days. So you'll find that we play Leicester, then we play Liverpool. And, you know, the likelihood is if we lose to Liverpool, just when you're thinking, oh man, that was horrible. Three days is the biggest game, not just of our season and Arsenal's, but 
It's probably the biggest game in the league in terms of what everyone's going to do. I bet everybody can't wait to come back from work on the Wednesday or Thursday night, wherever it is, and watch that game. Like, you know, I'm not being biased, but the North London derby in terms of a spectacle is the best game in the Premier League. No one can tell me anything different. You know, Man City and Liverpool could probably tell me something because the game they had uh, not, not long ago was brilliant. But in this game, it's just fireworks, isn't it? But well, I this think... one will have some spice as well because it'll be the first time Arsenal fans will have been in our stadium for a North London derby as well, won't it? So that, yeah, that will it, also yeah. add some extra spice as well. You know, someone's getting sent off though. That's it. It's just one of those games where I'm just going to sit there and it's, it's either going to be in our favour or, you know, it's either going to be a Shaq or Romero or they'll probably knock each other out in that. You know what I mean? <laughs> just one of those. It's just, uh, it's going to be a good game. You know, I've booked, I've booked the day off after, mate. So <laughs> Jacob's ready for a party. Oh, so, yeah, so that's, yeah, 100%. So let's look at Leicester next then um, as our next game coming up. Now, obviously... Recently, their last five games, they've drawn three, won one, lost one, um, scored five, conceded five. We've got, they've got this massive Europa Conference League semi-final coming up Thursday, which obviously could help us in the fact that potentially now they are going to stick all their eggs in that Conference League basket for them because they're not going to really improve massively in the league. How are you feeling, Patrick? Confident about this one? Do, do you see this as being a good opportunity for us to kind of get back on track? Yeah, I feel funny enough. When we did the predictions, Leicester game was the game that I predicted we would drop points. I predicted we'd win at all the other games. Um, uh, said we would drop points against Leicester. Said we would lose to Liverpool and we'd pretty much win all the other games. But looking at it now, considering where Leicester are, I hadn't factored in that they could be in the semis. They're in the semi-finals against Roma, who are, uh, you know, they've got pedigree. A European team, one of the best teams in Italy, Jose Marina's their manager. I don't, without being too presumptuous and big-headed, this Tottenham game doesn't mean much to them anymore. Like Jacob's saying, they're not really, it's not like they're going for top four or top six and they need the points. They don't really. They have to go all out for the... Conference League is another trophy for them and obviously a chance to finish in Europe next season, which they're not going to get through the league. So they will make major changes. Their two games against Roma, obviously this week and next week, are way more important than the Tottenham fixture away from home. You know, it's not like they're playing in front of their stadium where you're going to again have to put on a bit of a performance. They're away. So I think they're not going to throw the game, obviously. Uh, whoever comes in will be up for it and want to show that why they should be in the first team. But realistically, we should be too strong for them. They're, they're going to have one eye on the next semi-finals, uh, resting players, and I think we should be more than OK to actually smash them. So I feel confident about this game. Uh, we need to as well. There's no excuses now. You either turn up or forget it. I saw Kane, well, there's a quote saying Kane said, if we win all our games and we make top four, which is true because we obviously take points off um, Arsenal as well. But we have to remember that we go away to Anfield. But maybe the guys need that. Just stop this. Because I think there's a hoodoo with the fans and the players. We're all talking like it's already a loss. Yeah, of course, they're better than us. But we shouldn't have that mentality. Go there, do our job and see mm. what happens. Well, we didn't give ourselves a chance at Man City, did we? Exactly. You know, we all went but, to Man City thinking, well, you know, this is going to be a case of how many today. And we, we put that sort of performance in. I think the fans and the players have got to believe that we can get something out of that game because that is essentially a free hit without being, you know, I hate the word free hit, but it is because no one expects it. Yeah, but yeah. the players and Conte should expect us to get something out of that. Yeah, Ryan, how are you feeling about this Leicester game? Are you are you in agreement that, that for them, that semi-final and those two games now outweigh anything else? And that, yes, they're not going to come and just lay down but essentially, we should have too much and be too strong for them, given what they'll have done Thursday night. As usual, Carl, Patrick has said it perfectly. <laughs> never My guy. But that's, that's their aim now. That's their only way into Europe next season is winning this conference league. They're not going to get the league position for it. They get a good result against Roma on Thursday. You imagine seven or eight of those players coming out ready for the week after did not they're not going to throw everything at us because like I say it's not it's not important to them some players who will come in obviously will will try and prove that they should start that Thursday game which is something you got to look out for they'll all try and prove a point but like I say we just we just need to kick up the arse to our lads and this game 
Like this game, we've got a good record against Leicester. Kane's got a good record against Leicester. We we're not. We like playing Leicester, and hopefully this game will send us into the game at Anfield, bouncing and full of confidence. And like Pat said, we shouldn't care. It's Liverpool. Yes, they're a great team with some exceptional players, but we've got we've got some great except we've got an exceptional striker, and we've got some more, a couple of world class players in that side as well. We shouldn't go to Anfield worrying about what Liverpool are going to do to us. We should make them fear what we could do to them at the same time. It's We've done it before. Like you say, we, we didn't go into the City game with any confidence. And then we came back on this Monday show and we were all absolutely bouncing because we'd just beaten Man City. We, and outplayed them, not just beaten them. Yeah, we, we outplayed them that day. You know what, yeah. Ryan? Sorry to interrupt, but I think it's great that Liverpool have so much on the line as well because it's going to make them edgy. They have some... You know, like when two teams... Like you, both teams are going to be scared to make a mistake, and I think that will go in our favor if we unnerve their crowd and they get edgy. That will seep into the stadium. So I think people aren't realizing or not counting to the fact that Liverpool haven't been great in the last couple of games. Everton held them out for a long time. Should have had a penalty. Should have had some decisions. We obviously have way more quality than Everton, and the fact that they've got so much on the line, they're going to be edgy and nervous just like we are. So we just need to take the game to them and then see what happens. That that Liverpool game doesn't actually worry me as much as the others because I think we're confident in that fact Liverpool won't change how they play to nullify us. They'll just say, listen, Mm. this is how we play and we're confident we're going to do this. They Mm. won't be worrying about marking Kane out of the game. They won't be worrying about that as we've seen in previous games against them. So we'll have more licence to play the way we want to play in that game um, than than any of these other games. I mean, Jacob... You kind of mentioned earlier there that you were a bit fearful of this game because you don't think Leicester will come into it leggy. Do you want to, are you honestly worried about this one and think Leicester could come and do a do a job? I don't know because uh, it's one of those. It just depends how Brendan Rodgers sets them up. You know, fair enough, they might have some players that they're going to rest and stuff. But if they were just to sit there and say, right. You know, let's just do a job on Spurs and gain some confidence going into the Roma game. And we haven't been shooting on target, then it's all about the formation for me. If it gets to the point where they just play the same way as they've been playing every week with Conte and Leicester go and play three defensive midfielders in there, then as long as them three defensive midfielders do their job, then we ain't going to get any shots on target. And the fullbacks aren't going to change. You know, we've all been crying out for Lucas Moura to go out there. It won't happen. Um, the formation won't change. You hope so, because, you know, I hope that on that Sunday I wake up and see a formation change and we win because then, you know, we'll be bouncing. And the next thing, you know, it goes into West Ham versus Arsenal, doesn't it, straight after that? So mm. I don't feel, I don't know. I think it's just, it's probably me being a Spurs fan, not not looking at everything else. Is because we've been doing this since I was six. Do you know what I mean? We've always got it wrong. Do you know what I mean? I'm 37 now and it's like, if, you, if, you, if something's been happening for 30 years, you know, whenever you just say to yourself, from a little kid to a grown man, Tottenham, please, just not today, that's when they do it. So, you know, you looked at Brighton, thought we win that, but then I found myself laughing at the TV because I'm so used to it. And then Brentford, I was a bit more calmer, like you said, because I thought Brentford, if we go there and get a draw, they've actually been playing really well. And then with the Ericsson factor, I thought, just get out of there with, without losing. So it's just one of those. It all, it all depends on the Roma result. If Roma, because what, what, what we're all not thinking about is imagine if Roma spanked Leicester 4-0. Why are they going to, well, they're going to rest people to go into the next game and win 5-0. They're going to get to the point where they might, they, they might be out of the competition. So if they're out of the competition, think, they're going to uh, win. Uh, would you not think there's the potential, though, that a spanking in that game just defeats their whole season? And then that a heavy defeat there would just be season ended, season over. That's a real momentum drainer for those. I think for us it works either mm. way. If they get a result, I can't see them coming to us to be bothered. If they was to get badly beaten, where you go, well, that's that tie over. I think mm. for them, that's well, that's it, season done. We now yeah. we now are effectively on the beach because that's the momentum gone completely. I think, so. I think if you think about Tottenham versus Newcastle last game of the season a couple of years ago, when we were obviously after the battle of the bridge and we knew we had lost the league, we got spanked five one at home to Newcastle because the players were just like, "What is the point?" So I think you're mm. right, Carl. Regardless of the result, if Leicester get spanked, 
their season's over. They're just like, forget this. And I think they're going to turn up as ghosts and we just kill them. So, and even if, if they win that game or it's tight, Rogers has to rest players. He has yeah. to. So I think we've got them at the perfect time. But then saying that Arsenal got West Ham at the perfect time is exactly. Well, that's the right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, they're all in for the Europa League, aren't they? And it's, the fact it's, so, it's so crazy how things have just aligned. It's like this North London derby <laughs> meant to be the, the, the North yeah, London yeah, yeah. derby. It's just nuts how things just are so aligned. It's crazy. It's like someone would think Sky have had an influence <laughs> on VAR and what could happen here. <laughs> <laughs> And, and holding off this yeah, thing, man. holding off this thing, and holding it off, and then announcing it when they did. Hey, like you know, you couldn't write it, or could you? <laughs> so I'll throw one out there to all of you guys because, I, like as we've said earlier, with the whole royal and what we do, you can't see Conte going doing something completely out there. So he's not going to change both wing backs, that's for sure. But where do you guys stand? Would you want to see Mora come in? For Royal, what what changes would you make in that position to try and get some, something better than what we've got there? I'll throw that out there to all of you. Anyone wants to go for it? Yeah, Where's I would love to. See, I'd love. I'd love to see um, Mora come in for Royal uh, against Leicester at home. What have we got to lose at Leicester at home? If it doesn't work, you change it. But give it a try. We're at home. It should be a week in Leicester. They're going to be tired and leggy. Had a whole week to work on things. Give him a go, see how it goes. If it doesn't work, you change it back. But at least we know we tried, and then we can go into the other games with a bit more confidence. Uh, yeah, Jacob, I've, Ryan, go on, Ryan. Are you feeling? I, I think he'll change both fullbacks. To be honest, I you do, yeah. I think he'll push Davis out to left wing back, and I think he'll bring Davinson in for okay. regular. Okay. And I think I think he'll bring Mora in, and I think he'll push Kulusevski down at right wing back. Have Lucas further forward. I think he's like I say. I think he's fed up. Besides Matt Doherty, you no no one would have predicted anyone would complain about a Matt Doherty injury at this stage of a season. But that injury's hit us a lot harder than we we would have imagined this time yeah. last year. But he's got he's got to do something different. I'll be I'll be quite annoyed if he keeps it as Emerson Regulon or I say Sessignon is not Sessignon. I don't think will ever become the player we want him to unless he's consistent with his game time because he'll play three games, miss three months, come back for a couple of games, miss. So right now, I don't think he's the player to start. So I do think he will go with Davis at left wing back. He brought, obviously, I think it was, um, that's the way he went when he brought Sanchez on last weekend. Was it against uh, Brentford where he pushed Davis out? Yeah. Do you think that was him? Do you think that was him thinking, right, Next game, let me let me get a twenty minute taster of how this works. Yeah, ready for next week. Yeah, I do, and I think mm-hmm. he will use it as well. Like say, Kulusevski, when he brought him, he did say he could play right wing, he could play right back, uh, right wing back. I think he'll push Kulusevski back, get Lucas Mora back on, and I like say you've got to try something because it's not worked. So what what else have we got to lose? Do Do you see? I mean, Jacob, do you see Kulachevsky being able to do that job? Because I have to admit, given obviously his lack of pace, I can't see Kulachevsky being as effective in that right wing-back position, if I'm honest. You know, yes, when we say the guy can play that position, most pros should be able to play most positions, really. Do you Mm -hmm. think Kulachevsky could be effective in that right wing-back position? No, I like. I remember when Conte said it. It was obviously Conte knows more about football than me. But I was like, "Have you had a few too many Italian wines or something?" Because I thought this geezer. <laughs> he, I've watched him a few times for Juventus. There's times where you're watching Juventus on a Sunday evening on BT Sport, or whatever. And every time he's been brought on, he's either played number ten or on the right wing. That's all I've seen whenever I've watched Juventus. And then I've never. I don't think I've ever seen a fullback at top level football play on the opposite side. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I've seen it with um, right footers, you know what I mean? Because I think predominantly in the game, there's right footers. But me being left footed, if someone told me to go and play right wing back, I'd be like, are you nuts? Because it's like, it doesn't make sense. If you're left footed predominantly, going to the right back position doesn't work. Right right wing is different because you're trying to, you know, cut inside to create opportunities and score goals. But then imagine if we're, we're under the cosh against any team. You're relying on a left-footed right-back to defend, when realistically he's not even a defensive player. He he he'll do what um, 
Lucas Moira does and work back. But I'd never want to see that. Like, effectively, if I was going to, if Conte asked me what I wanted, I'd just, I'd just say, right, if you want to go and attack Leicester because of the reasons that you guys have mentioned, play a 4 2 3 1. And then say, um, Benton Core and Hoiberg, you guys sit and don't go nowhere. Back four, stay flat. And then you just leave the other four to be fluid and go and get, go and win us the game. So if Harry Kane's got a start in number 10, Kulisevsky on the, right son up front and say Moira on the left you can start them like that and if it's not working tell them all to rotate because Kuzilevsky's mm. capable of going into a number 10 Harry Kane's obviously capable of going up front you stick son on the left and stick Moira on the right just kept tell him to keep rotating and just as long as the back four is solid and the two defensive midfielders are covering the space just tell them four to go and win the game because we, all, we know the other seven ain't going to do it Lloris isn't going to win us the game nor are our wing-backs, nor are our centre-halves or our centre-midfielders. But them four on the pitch together, if you don't get a shot out of target on there, then Conte's got to take the L because it's something that you're doing in training. If you have got them four on the pitch and you can't have a shot on target, you should be having... If you ask me, them four on the pitch, you should be at least having a shot on target against Real Madrid and Man City, let alone Brentford and, and Brighton. I have, so, to dis- I have to disagree, Jacob. I hate I hate to disagree with you. You know that. I don't like... <laughs> you never do, man. You never do. This is bad, man. <laughs> But have <laughs> got another hour, boys. Nothing, <laughs> Here we nothing, go. I think Kulu at right wing back is it, it would be 10. I'm, we're not missing anything defensively because Emerson can't defend. So Ramiro is going to have the same job mm. with Kulu. And the amount of space our wing backs get in some games, Emerson is, is crossing's not great. He likes to turn back. I think if you get Kulusevsky in that much space with time to deliver, we've seen him deliver with his right, we've seen him cut back and deliver with his left. He's going to be a lot more effective than what Emerson is. And you've still got Lucas Moore in front of him who will also trap back and get forward. I see, I love Jacob's 4-2-3-1. Jacob, I apologise for jumping in on you. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, that's all right. You ain't got to apologise, mate. Don't, don't go missing on my Friday show, Jacob. I wouldn't want that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that, I mean, that was the plan, you know, but then you've got to say it, so I can't do it now. <laughs> Oh, I, I think I think given Conte, <laughs> uh, he's not going to revert away from that three-five-two, is he? You know, I, I think what we're probably looking at is more of what um, Ryan said there, with maybe Ben Davies being pushed out to that wide position, Sanchez coming in into the middle. I I just get the impression he'll probably play Royal again. I just think though, this could be a game where it won't matter so much in this game because I think at home. With, Le- with, it, with everything the way it's going, Leicester just won't be there and, you know, we'll get away with it this week. But So that, let's go for some predictions then. So, Patrick, score, score predictions for this game? Oh, man, it's so tough at the moment. I'm going to probably say 3-1. Yeah, 3-1. Yeah, I was going to say 3-0, but 3-1. 3-1, confident, Ryan. <laughs> I'll go 5-1 in this one. Oh, wow. Boy. Putting the goals back on the, back on the scoreboard, yeah. He's been eating that Play-Doh behind him. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, statistic. There isn't a statistic that suits Tottenham better than being the top goal scorers in 2022 to then no shots on target to then just getting three, four, five goals. Yeah, let's hope so. That's Tottenham. That's Tottenham. And Harry Kane at trick as well. I'm going to put him oh, down. Look at that. Need that. Get, that, Need get that. down, get down to the bookies. Put that. Put a pound on that, Ryan. Jacob, what are you going with? I'm going with uh, a shady two 0 It's going to be. It's going to be a tense one, but I think. Well, I, I don't know how the game's going to go. So I can't predict the future, but I just think that it's going to be cagey because the fans are going to get on the players' backs if they haven't had a shot on target early. But I think Conte at some point, whether it be this game or a point in the future, just going to have enough. And give the fans what they want, which is a few more attackers on the pitch. And I think it would be this game where it could be nil nil at half time and he decides, right, well, I'm just gonna stick the four up front to win the game, and that's that, that's effectively what's gonna do. So I'm gonna go over two nil. I am gonna go confident. I'm gonna go over four nil because I think this is a right. game that, like I say, I don't think Leicester are coming. I think you know, I say whatever happens in this game this week, I think, you know, as we said, a win a win or a tight result, all they're worried about is Europa. Yeah. A massive defeat, and I think you know they just turn up as ghosts in bodies who looking to get mm. the season over. So I'm going to be. I think this one will get some goals on board and four nil for me. So that leads us to the end 
of our show tonight. So just leads me to thank the guests for coming on. So Patrick, as always, mate, pleasure having you on. And hopefully we'll be back Monday talking about another win. Yeah, we will touch wood. Yeah, this is the game where we get our, our season back on track, so to speak. And uh, I'm sure, like you guys think, there'll be lots of goals. We've all gone big. I've said three. Everyone else said more than that. So, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Perfect. And Ryan, again, another sterling effort. And you'll be back Monday, hopefully. Yes, I will not miss another Monday this season. Like I say, me and Jason <laughs> need to be. And like I said, we, we want to come back next season every Monday and preview Champions League games. That's what mm. we want. We want to talk about these big European games. So, Fingers crossed the boys get the job done. Let's get it going and finish the season strong. Perfect. And Jacob, another sterling performance, mate. And you'll be back Monday as well, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully it's a nice bank holiday. Everyone has a nice bank holiday weekend and Tottenham don't ruin it for us all, you know. Because if if they do, then come bank holiday Monday, you might see my eyes a little bit wonky, you know what I mean? (laughs) I, lo- I, I love the confidence in Spurs fan. No shots on target. Too, we've all gone massively big for wins and we're all pumped, ready for Monday, all this weekend's performance. So that just leaves us to say, appreciate everyone watching. Your audio will be with you tomorrow morning. And as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.